Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson and welcome to the Functional Health Podcast. I interview some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine and I will share with you their stories, their expertise and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Sergey Musienko. Sergey is the CEO of Atlas Biomed, and this week we dive into the usefulness of microbiome testing and what the future of AI and the microbiome might hold. So, without further ado, Sergey, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. You know, the first time I actually heard of you and Atlas Biomed was through our mutual friends, Lisa and Alana at The Gut Stuff. Oh, Yes, they are wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they're great. I recently did a podcast with them, uh, or released it recently, and it was so fun. So fun. They're so uh, they're full of energy. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're amazing. Uh, yeah, we, we, we've done some stuff together. And uh, I mean, I think um, we're at the event they organized um, at one of these tube stations. I don't remember the name right now. A couple of years ago, uh, where we had a, like a, a booth, like a presentation booth. Yes. Uh, and we were, we were showcasing the, I mean, the microbiome tests with them and there was a lot of lectures and you know speakers um and one thing i remember it was freezing cold and i was, <laughs> I was standing there myself like all day it was, was it was super crowded and a lot of people you know they, i mean were really excited about and, and you know asking lots of questions about gut health and microbiome um but i, I nearly froze to death that, day. <laughs> that was really fun <laughs> so, yeah i remember it was like it was old street station and i think yeah, it was the back oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah i think it was the back end of the year wasn't it like october or something i can't remember the exact date but yeah, um, that was late autumn late autumn probably yeah. 2018 i guess yeah it would wow. have been 2018 i think wow time flies yeah, it really does. It really does. You know that that's that's. Um, I knew I knew Lisa and Alana before that, but I, I, that was the first time I met Kimberly. They had some great speakers there, um, right. so it was a great in terms of for me anyway. In terms of networking, well, it was a great event. It was a great event. Yeah, I hope they do something like that again because I uh, I thought well, I, I hope so it. too. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be it'd be great just to start by um, diving into a little bit of your background because it's quite unique from from what I hear. Um, hopefully, I've not been misinformed. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, yeah. I'm, uh, I mean, the surprising thing is that I'm not. I'm not a doctor, and uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a biologist, actually. I mean, from, from my, my background comes from uh, maths and physics, so this is what I was. I was studying back in the university, and then uh, I mean, at some point, I just I, I switched to, the bio, to bioinformatics, which is like the intersection between sort of you know IT and programming skills. And biology. So, I mean, at, at, the, at, at the age of both studies, there, there lies this sort of area which is called bioinformatics. And this is, this is what really got me excited at some point. Um, and I mean, at the late, like latest uh, years of my education, I was doing a lot of bioinformatics studies. And then I continued that after I graduated. And then at some point, uh, I went to a place called Singularity University in the United States, uh, which is, you know, a place founded by Ray Kurzweil and Pietro Diamandis, great guys. I mean, futurologists and, you know, real sort of like leaders. And I mean, mm -hmm. Peter is also CEO and, you know, um, founder of a lot of exciting startups uh, and companies. Uh, and basically, this is where, um, I mean, I, I, I did my, uh, it's called GSP program. They call this GSP. I think they're they're still doing it. I hope so because, I mean, the world was, would lose a lot <laughs> if that thing stops. Uh, and this is where I got the idea, you know, to 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 start Atlas 
and um, you know apply the bioinformatics skills uh, to create products you know that will you know that that, that will somehow impact uh, you know everyday lives of people and you know basically translate the science into I mean something something tangible that you can use as the con as, as the consumer so um, all uh, basically apply all the knowledge you know in, in certain areas well specifically related with health and nutrition uh, into um, like a real world product you know which will impact people's lives so this is the grand idea behind atlas at, at way back when um, and well here we are ended with you know with a, two tests on the market which are doing exactly this this thing so sort of turning the you know the power of bioinformatics and, and genomics well and, and microbiome research into sort of you know something that you can do um you know regularly mm -hmm. and um as a you know easy to use you know super friendly sort of product yeah so no, microbiome testing is something which has hugely fascinated me and mm -hmm. i've done um my genetic testing through 23andme and actually plugged it through uh what's the other one called dna fit i think it's called mm. and yep. another one called Stratagene, which is ben lynch's okay. program so like I, i've run it through loads of stuff basically to right. understand exactly what my methylation pathways are um mm. and what i'm uh what i'm predisposed to basically it's quite boring actually my uh genetic test I'm not predisposed to much so <laughs> well there's a reasoning behind that i mean the well many people call you know uh dna tests not not really actionable well Actually, I mean, the, the reason behind that is that this is the test that, I mean, does not, you know, does not get, I mean, you don't test yourself in dynamics. So there's, there's no point of testing yourself, you know, two or three times or, you know, every month because your DNA doesn't really change. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the, you know, the general pattern of DNA, which you get from saliva tests. I'm not talking about, you know, cancer or anything else. So, um, and, and when there's no dynamics, when there's no uh, sort of, you know, change um, in the parameter that you're monitoring, that means there's no um, impact. Uh, there's, there's no um, uh, impact, the, the effect of which you can monitor. And that yes. means there's no sort of actionable, you know, um, intervention that you can recommend to the person and then measure its effect. Um, so unlike this, unlike this kind of approach, uh, this issue with the DNA, microbiome is, of course, a whole other story when... I mean, this is something that not only is dynamic, but this is something you can affect. Yeah. You know, by changing diets, by adding pro prebiotics. I mean, we'll we'll talk more about this, of course. But one hundred percent. Yeah, that's 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 one of the issues. You know, when uh, when people say, well, I, well, you know, I, I don't feel like I don't feel a lot of actionability from you know my test results. Well, of course, uh, I mean that's that's why. I mean, because this is a this is one of tests. I mean, you should you're supposed uh, well, you've done three tests. <laughs> But ideally, ideally you should you should do the test once, of course. And ideally, this should be a whole genome, but that's a whole other story. I mean, again, right now we're we're not we're not doing the whole genomes. So um, the tests and the technology Atlas or other you know most of other companies are using it's micro it's called microarray. It's not actually monitoring your whole genome. So yeah, at some point you know as technology develops and the price on it and the price on sequencing drops, um, I would expect you to probably do another DNA test. Yeah, I mean, I just took my my raw data from the original twenty three andme test and put it through these different right. programs, right? And and look at like the crossover in between SNPs and things like that, what they look at because they're all just slightly different. 
Mm. Um, which is super, super interesting. But you're right, you, it's only a snapshot and it doesn't take into account things like epigenetics in your environment. Right. And what it, but what it does do is bring up more questions so you can like probe a little bit. So if right. I think my, if you have a mutation in the, in the MT, MTHFR, for example, you can like look, well, you know, what's my B vitamin status like? And you can measure that. And you can have a look, methylation pathways and things like that. So you can work with a practitioner and, you know, dive a little bit deeper, which I think is really beneficial in long term, especially if you you have a condition and you're not really sure where to go with it. Well, I think, I mean, there's, uh, I, I personally think, and of course, Atlas is doing the, I mean, the DNA test as well, besides the microbiome, there's a, I mean, there's a huge potential behind, you know, knowing all that, all that information. And I, I actually believe it is going to be an essential part of, you know, our, um, you know, daily lives for all the people. I mean, as we move forward, with, so I, w- I would probably say that all your like electronic health record would start with you know doing your your own DNA, and I mean this will be like page one, you know, of your personal health sort of report. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we're not there yet, of course, and not not everyone's you know been sequenced or genotyped. Uh, we'll get there. I mean, um, I, when when I'm saying it's not the information does not seem actionable sometimes, it does not mean it's useless. I mean, it's extremely valuable and provides a, a huge, uh, you know, uh, a huge, book, a large volume of, of insight into your predispositions or, you know, your career status, which might be extremely important if you're, you know, planning to have kids. Um, it just, uh, you know, it just opens up, you know, new, new doors and new information about yourself, which you cannot learn any other way, in any other way. So, which uh, I think should be essential part of, you know, your personal knowledge. So like you're wearing an aura ring, right? Yeah. Or you know, you're you're wearing a Fitbit bracelet. So in the same story here, I mean it's it's just another angle of your uh, overall holistic health, which uh, I believe in the future is going to be an essential part of you know our knowledge about ourselves. So we'll get there. Uh, I mean we're slowly and actually I wouldn't even say slowly, but I mean we're getting there. Yep, certainly a matter of time. Yep. Yeah. So in terms of the microbiome testing, I mean, this is another area which is obviously extremely fascinating and still, you know, it it is almost, I know there's thousands of papers published every single year, but it's still like an almost an emerging science because there's so much that we do know, but also so much that we don't know as well in terms of how these bacteria interact with each other and how they interplay with fungi and things like that. Um, How did you get into this and how, like, was there a certain health ailment which you had which you were like i need to look into this further well that was uh well uh, i mean one of the one of the first sort of uh you know founding stones uh behind atlas was that we were trying to create a sort of a and develop a holistic approach towards you know personal individual health and nutrition and uh since the very beginning we had this idea of rather than you know doing one product um instead of this um we, would, we wanted to create a more of a holistic approach for, you know, uh, looking into uh, our customers' health, health and, you know, providing information back to them. Um, so we were trying to sort of empower people from different sides, not just from, you know, from uh, learning from their genomes, but it's rather, um, you know, aggregating different, different data sets around each individual customer, uh, helping him or her to empower um, you know, by knowing more about themselves from different sides. And I believe it's when, you, when we talk about health or nutrition, like things you should or should not be eating or, you know, uh, your health risk predispositions, um, it's always a multifactorial. So 
it's sort of uh, it's always a, a holistic area which has to be you know combined like a puzzle you know with from from, from different pieces uh, you know which just which has to be combined together to give a whole overview of um, of the subject. So that's the idea we had behind Atlas. So we wanted to be rather than you know company that's only doing you know DNA tests or only doing microbiome tests. We wanted to be the company that's aggregating all these different data sources, combining that, and then providing I mean individualized, personalized advice or recommendation on how to improve your lifestyle. Has it benefited you? Myself personally. Yeah. Well, I well, I was the first client. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I can tell you, um, uh, I benefit from bo both tests. Well, uh, with DNA test, um, well, that's, yeah, sort of um, uh, an interesting insight into my personal health. Uh, well, I have, I have mutation in BRCA1 gene, you know, which, uh, which greatly affects risks of uh, breast cancer, uh, well, in men, prostate cancer, mm -hmm. uh, of course, which can be passed on uh, to my children. I mean, it runs in, it runs in, it runs in my family. Um, and it's 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 really important to you know to, to to know this information so I so you can like for example I screen myself regularly uh, knowing this um, you know for well for yeah um, for prostate cancer and uh, with the microbiome test I mean I do that test regularly actually and uh, well for example I had an episode about a year ago when I was taking a, a quite a strong course of antibiotics. Um, and then I was, I mean, I was monitoring my, uh, like my microbiome before that in the middle of taking the course and then right after. And uh, I mean, I was doing some stuff, you know, to basically restore the balance in my microbes right after the course, because I mean, I suffered greatly. And I had, I mean, I had some health issues after that, after the antibiotics. So um, I was using the, the results of the test to, to basically sort of help myself restore the balance in, in gut bacteria. Okay, so first of all, sorry to hear that you were second had to take antibiotics, um, and I'm glad you feel you're better now. Um, but how did that affect, I guess, your gut um, microbiota diversity? Oh, that lowered. Uh, that just dropped. So, so one, is the total one, population diversity everything? Would it just come crashing down? Yes. Well, I mean, that's that's the first thing you. I mean, you see when 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 you're on the course of antibiotics is. I mean, most of the time, the diversity of your bacteria just drops significantly. And then, you know, um, restoring that, because basically that's one, that's one of the main factors of healthy, sort of healthy microbiome is how diverse that is. Uh, because, well, the, the, the more different types of bacteria you have, uh, basically that creates the abundance of functions that these bacteria uh, play, um, which means that uh, whenever they, I mean, something changes in the ecosystem where all these bacteria live, uh, and let's say one type of bacteria gets wiped out. I mean, if you have the abundance of functions, I mean, the, the other bacteria can take over, you know, performing this function that is beneficial to yourself as the host mm -hmm. of those bacteria. So uh, the, the more diverse uh, uh, microbiome you have, I mean, someone have, um, the better. That's the general rule. Yes. So when, when, I was taking the, when I was taking the antibiotics a year ago, I mean, that's, that's the first thing I noticed, uh, you know, after taking the test uh, during the course was that my microbiome diversity dropped significantly. I mean, to almost, well, to almost the lowest, one of the, one of the lowest levels we have, um, you know, in, you know in, our, in our cohorts of our people. And uh, I mean, restoring that was quite an issue. I mean, it took me a while basically to, to, to get the diversity back to normal. Uh, well, I, <laughs> it took me about six months, I would say. Okay, because there are papers showing that it will 
you'll get back to, I say quote unquote, air quotes it, normal um, by yourself, but just by eating a normal everyday diet. However, I think there's a difference between, you know, getting the same amount of um, bacteria in terms of a population within your gut and then having an optimal microbiome, which means is it as diverse as it was before? Is there bacteria there which shouldn't be? For example, do you have dysbiosis due to the antibiotics? And it'd be interesting to know if you have any plans in the future to look at this, how antibiotics actually affect the repopulation of the gut. Uh, there's, lots of, uh, there's lots of studies on this. And uh, well, of course, antibiotics is one of the strongest uh, sort of interventions uh, you can have on the microbiome uh, and the bacteria in the gut. Well, in my case, what was interesting, I was trying, I was interested in restoring uh, the diversity of my, of my microbiome back to the level I had before taking the antibiotics. So that's, that was the, I mean, that was the goal for me. And yes, I mean, you can, it, it will get to normal most of the time. Uh, although of course, I mean, there, there are quite severe cases, uh, you know, after taking antibiotics. I mean, that's, that's why it should, it should be prescribed by the doctors. So it's not something you should be taking and, you know, just yourself. Um, because I mean, there are, there still are countries where you can, you know, purchase antibiotics in just you know, pharmacies. Um, um, and I mean, this should be prescribed by the doctor. That's mm -hmm. the point. Um, and uh, well, uh, most of the time, the, the bacteria, I mean, the, the, the balance in, in bacteria is, um, uh, I mean, restored by itself because, you know, because the, from, the, from the food you're eating, from the pre, pre and probiotics you're, you know, you're, you're taking with the food. Um, but in my case, I was interested to restoring it to the high levels, which I, had, I used to have before. And I mean, well, th that was the thing I managed to do, but it took me quite a while. Yeah. And, and ju just to uh, touch on something that you said around antibiotics, you know, natural supplements can equally have an effect on the microbiome that maybe not as strong, but things like oil of oregano and the certain herbs, which can be particularly potent. And if someone has a, a certain health condition, they can be beneficial, but they can also have a detriment as well, especially if you don't know what you're doing. So like I always say yeah. to everyone, before you start messing around with your microbiome, probably best to speak to a, a health professional or practitioner first. One thing I wanted to ask you about as well is the microbiome test itself. It'd be interesting to think, does it benefit people with IBS, for example, or IBD? And maybe not the microbiome test in particular, but do you think analyzing microbiomes overall would get would help empower people to take control of their own health? Well, I think, uh, well, I think, I mean, any, I think the knowledge about yourself, uh, uh, you know, ha always has a, um, has a potential to empower yourself making the, I mean, the better and more informed decisions, mm -hmm. uh, because it just provides an extra layer of information for yourself. Uh, one thing that's important to say is that, uh, I mean, that most of the microbiome, well, when, when you're, when we're talking about microbiome tests based on let's say bacteria sequencing, such as the ones that we are doing, um, none of them are diagnostic at the moment. So um, it's, it's, it's not meant to diagnose IBS or IBD. Um, I mean, uh, at some point you can, uh, of course, you should be using the results of the test um, and taking that back to the health professional um, and, you know, trying to um, basically combine the knowledge you get from the microbiome testing uh, with the, I mean, the current actual information about your health mm -hmm. and in your existing uh, conditions, if there are any. Um, and then, and then of course, any recommendations should be taking, should be, I mean, should be taking uh, after consulting the, the, the health professional. Uh, but my, my personal view is that um, uh, basically 
microbiome, as I, as I said, you know, about, as we were discussing about the DNA test before, I think, uh, you know, the, at the end, it just creates an extra layer, this extra layer of information um, about your own health that, I mean, you cannot get in any other way. And that's, I mean, that's, that's the thing that can, you know, basically empower your health decisions and, and you know, make you, help you make better, better lifestyle decisions and, you know, change your health to the better when used wisely. Yeah, absolutely. And right now it is just uh, bacteria. It's not parasites or fungi or things like that. Is that correct? Um, well, our test is based on a technology which is called 16S uh, NGS sequencing. So that 16S here means the, this is a very specific gene which is present in bacteria. That's the name of the gene 16S. Um, uh, that, that means we're not, we're not monitoring, we're not um, sequencing uh, the fungi or viruses or parasites. So it's only the bacteria. Um, there might be other ways, uh, other tests, which, you know, are looking for more. Like there, there are like, for example, things that which tests, which, which use shotgun, what's called shotgun sequencing. Yes. That means, you know, just sequencing all the DNA um, that comes with the sample, um, including all of those things that, you know, that, that we listed before. The, the issue with those tests is that, it, I mean, it's still quite expensive. So it's, uh, I would say there's, there's a pricing uh, issue uh, because, well, although the, technolo the technologies of sequencing, the NGS technologies are dropping down in pricing every year, um, it still comes, I mean, at, at a high price, you know, to sequence all the DNA within the sample. So I would say that's the, that's the main limiting factor. Um, and, and most of the tests um, which are, you know, looking into microbiome right now are using the 16S as sort of the gold standard for, you know, for analyzing the bacteria, because it, it does provide a, a, a pretty high resolution um, in terms of which types of bacteria are present and in which proportion uh, in the sample. Okay, right, I understand. And in terms of what you'd consider a good microbiome, I remember speaking to Miguel about this and, and he was saying it, it would be something to do with the ratio of bacteria within the gut. And I would be interesting to, to wonder how that actually works in practice, because I guess one thing which I'm interested in is you can have a diverse microbiome, but that'd be different depending on where you live and yep. also different between people. For example, twins can have what you'd maybe consider a healthy microbiome, but the actual diversity of the species in terms of how many there are, um, so you might have more bifidobacteria bacterium mm. than, uh, than the other, but they're equally healthy. So it's just wondering how an AI and this might be a difficult question to answer, can tell you whether you, you have a, healthy micro, a healthier microbiome than another person if they are both perceivably healthy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, well, just to start with, uh, if you compare two random people, um, well, there, um, an interesting fact is that uh, their DNA is, is about 99% identical and their microbiome would be, well, on average about, well, 20 to 30% identical, and then everything else will be different. So the, 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 the microbiome, the, the, the ratio of all these bacteria type really varies from, from individual to individual. Um, so even, even if you take the twins, which are quite genetically identical, it is, I mean, most of their bacteria will be different. Because, I mean, there's a, uh, basically lifestyle, what it, what it means that is that lifestyle plays a huge and important role into mm -hmm. the, I mean, into the balance uh, of bacteria that, you know, that you, you carry with yourself. 
um, which is extremely exciting, interesting, and, and uh, which also means another point that um, it basically can be changed. So, um, and it can be impacted. So, um, first of all, yes, the, I mean, the cultural, um, you know, aspects of uh, the place where you live in uh, or the family where you live in, uh, the geography, uh, whether it's a large city or rural, rural area, I mean, does play, play a huge role on, on, your, on your bacteria. Um, I, well, an interesting story, well, I can, I can tell, for example, is uh, I, was, I grew up as a, as, as a kid, I grew up in Russia, and uh, uh, it was, let's say, 1980s. Um, and um, an interesting fact is that uh, culturally, uh, in Russia, people uh, were having, were always having a, a lot of fermented foods. So basically that, I mean, we were taking this, we were eating this all the time, you know, uh, things that are only getting popular, uh, you know, across UK. Well, let's say kombucha. Well, it, it's been quite a while, you know, popular for quite a while now. But I can tell you that uh, when I was when I was a kid, um, my grandma always, you know, kept this. Uh, I mean, we used to call it the tea mushroom, which okay, was basically yeah. you know, the scooby, right? <laughs> yes, which was basically the kombucha, you know, fridge all the time. And uh, I mean, as a kid, I, I, I mean, I was drinking this as a, you know, just like just like regular tea. I mean, it was. I mean, I, we were we were drinking it all the time. Same story with kefirs. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, th th this is something I just grew up with naturally, and that's uh, and that's a totally cultural thing because, uh, well, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but I mean, it just it was extremely popular uh, back when I was a kid. Uh, and it seems like you know these these things are coming back to us, you know, uh, in terms of uh, how gut health in general, and you know, you know, having kefirs and probiotics. And you know fermented fermented foods and then kombucha. I mean, uh, us just realizing now. I mean, basically, to me, this seems like you know reopening. Uh, I mean, what 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 I what was already happening with me way back when when <laughs> I was. So yes, things things like this are extremely important, and they uh, I mean they differ. You know, from uh, geography one geographic region to another. You know, from one family to another. Um, you know, uh, whether you're as I said, live in a big city, you know, having a Western, what's called Western diet, you know, with the fast foods uh, who, you know, really are proven to lower the microbiome diversity or, you know, you live in a family where, I mean, you, 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 you basically drink kombucha and kefir every day, um, you know, that's basically promoting, you know, healthy bacteria um, in your gut. Things like this, uh, I mean, differ a lot. But they also create um, a huge potential for, uh, you know, for shaping up, uh, you know, the balance of, of your microbiome, microbiome, which is, of course, should always be, uh, you know, done carefully. So I, my, my, my best advice would, would be to not rush into, you know, doing, you know, changes and testing things on yourself. Uh, but I would also say, try to, try to make um, informed decisions. And then, you know, Try to take it slowly, rather than you know, um, rather than you know making uh, making huge changes uh, in a short period of time. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, and it also makes sense that people, because they have different fermented foods depending on geolocation, why the bacterial diversity might be different. Because even if you take kefir, for example, water kefir is a very different uh, microbial profile than de the, the ones in dairy in terms of lactic acid, bacteria, etc. And also, every fermentation is also different, so that's something to yeah. note as well. Um, what was the other thing that I was going to mention about? Well, you, I think you mentioned the AI as well. 
Yes. Well, yeah, AI is a tricky thing. I mean, first of all, uh, I mean, parts of uh, like uh, all, almost all the microbiome uh, studies now involve, I mean, the elements of machine learning algorithms, because um, I mean, this is, uh, uh, there are already certain pipelines. I mean, I mean, coming back to bioinformatics, there's, there's, there are pipelines already quite established which show the efficiency of, uh, uh, you know, analyzing cohort level data on microbiome. So let's say you're trying to identify, I mean, certain markers in microbiome, which, uh, which allow, which can predict certain conditions like IBD or IBS. Yes. Okay. That basically, basically means you have several cohorts of people. Let's say you have cohort of people, healthy individuals, people with, you know, who have the IBD and then you're, you're measuring the microbiome and bacteria composition in both cohorts. So there's a, an, an elements of ML, um, which are already used. I mean, as a, it's sort of becoming a general practice, I would say, in microbiome analysis. Um, when, whenever we, we use uh, uh, huge data sets, um, and I mean, and actually that, that, all, that also relates not only from, for microbiome, but, but for DNA tests as well. Uh, whenever you have a huge data sets, um, let's say you have a information about genomes, which are hundreds of thousands of parameters uh, for one individual, and you have hundreds of thousands individuals, comparing that, you know, the hundred thousand parameters for hundreds of thousands of, of people uh, is almost impossible, you know, without the help of, you know, uh, ML and uh, uh, compl complex algorithms um, and pipelines. So it's, it's, not, it's not something the doctor can do. It's okay. not something, you know, or analyst can do, you know, just, you know, putting up an Excel spreadsheet and, you know. Can you hear that? can hear some noise so for listeners at home if you can hear a, a, a mild buzzing that is literally a, a hole being drilled through a wall next door so apologies for that but hopefully it will be it'll be short-lived um so sorry sergey i i interrupted you when you were talking about the the ai no, but so what I, what I was saying is that uh first of all we are already using you know the elements of ai and machine learning uh, in studies uh, for microbiome and, and, and genetics, uh, when we compared, you know, large cohorts of samples one with an, with one with another, and we were looking for the correlations uh, between those cohorts. Um, so even the tests we're doing right now are using, I mean, those elements of machine learning, um, you know, to predict uh, some of the outcomes um, uh, for the for the I mean, as part of the microbiome test reports. So um, uh, the future, I would say the future is already, I mean, we are already there. I mean, it's, it's impossible to imagine the world without, I mean, the, especially the healthcare, uh, the future healthcare without using AI or ML, simply because the data sets we are operating with are already impossible to, to get, you know, to be analyzed by the doctor analyst. Mm -hmm. So simply, you can, you just simply cannot uh, open a, a spreadsheet and put the data there, you know, to manually analyze this because none of the data will fit the spreadsheet. So a, a single whole genome, let's say, is 100 gigabytes of data for just one, one individual. So, the, I mean, this is, it, it's just impossible to, to, you know, to be analyzed by manually. So something that would be really good to touch upon is the real life benefits for people doing a microbiome test. Because some people might be sitting at home and thinking, well, I feel pretty good. Why should I get a microbiome test? What are the benefits of me doing that? 
Well, um, you know, unless uh, things are really in, uh, out of balance, you don't necessarily feel uh, that something might be, you know, wrong or or not really balanced with your gut bacteria. So, for example, you don't really feel that you're missing a certain strain of bacteria, you know, in, a bi in your microbiome. I mean, there's no you know, nerves uh, or neural cells, uh, you know, for identifying that. So you don't really feel that unless you do a test, you don't really, you cannot really measure it. So um, let's say someone's interested in taking a probiotics, you know, hoping to improve their, you know, gut bacteria and, and, and gut bacteria balance. Um, so probably the, I mean, one of the, I would say a more reasonable thing would be to first test your microbiome and then see what's missing and then make a, you know, rational uh, sort of, uh, decision based on based on the knowledge of your uh, you know current microbiome state. So uh, I mean I would say like again empowering uh, empowering your lifestyle decisions. I would say probably the most uh, like the number one point for that. Um, you, you know again learning more about how your bacteria is related with the food you take with your current diet, uh, whether you are in or out of balance. Uh, you know with the gut bacteria and you know maybe testing some interventions which you might mm -hmm. be interested in. Which again, I, I should underline <laughs> should be should be done uh, carefully and uh, ideally together with the doctor. Um, and then driving the science, I mean another another good point, you know by you know by taking microbiome. I mean actually, I mean one of the things you're doing is you're actually you're, you're pushing the science forward. You know the more data there is, um, and you know the more the more science uh, we can do. Yeah, data seems to drive everything at this point. What, one of the things which I thought was really uh, interesting is just because I have experience with your test and it made me very aware of the kind of diversity of foods that I was eating. So in terms of, I realized that when I was eating like my normal diet, even though it's very, very varied, I stick to the same varied foods, if that makes sense. So I eat probably 50 yes. different vegetables and fruits, you know, likely in a two, two week span. However, um, they're the same. Like I don't really deviate from that. I don't try something necessarily that new. I might t try a new recipe with a different spice, but it's not necessarily with a different food. Um, just like having recommendations of like, for example, including gooseberries in my diet, which is not something I would ever eat, makes me think, oh, well, you know, there is a, a whole um, variety of foods out there, which I can include to incre increase um, the di diversity in my, in my gut microbiome taking 50 different types of vegetables and fruits, I mean, that's a lot that probably pushes you to the end of the spectrum in terms of, you know, the amount of people who are having, I mean, and, and, and the diversity of, you know, their, of their diets. So I would say you're, you're doing pretty well. Um, but most of the people when, I mean, when it comes to, you know, eating vegetables and fruits, um, you, I mean, we, we see a lot of uh, customers uh, who are, who believe they, they eat a lot of vegetables and fruits in, in grams, you know, in, in volume, but if you start investigating, like what's what's the diversity of that? Uh, it turns out, I mean, the they eat the same types of salads in the same places, uh, almost, <laughs> almost, which I mean, drastically limits, I would say, the diversity of fibers that you know that uh, that you're consuming, which limits the diversity of food that um, your your bacteria is taking, and thus limits the diversity of bacteria themselves. Um, so uh, I mean, there are there are several very interesting exercises and uh, very, quite simple exercises on how to find food. I mean, there's a what's called a eat, eat the rainbow challenge, which basically means 
trying to eat the same, you know, uh, the full spectrum of colors of mm -hmm. vegetables and fruits every day and try to feel, you know, all the sort of colors um, uh, in the rainbow uh, of the food that you're taking uh, daily. Uh, the other one is uh, trying to calculate like you did, you know, how, what's, uh, like, what's, how many different, different types of vegetables, fruits you're, you're eating, let's say, during the week. And I would say 50 is quite a, it's, it's, it's quite a good number. So uh, you're doing quite a good job. Thank you, Sergey. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> that's, that's pretty well done. Um, yeah, so, uh, so that, of, course, of course, all of that results, uh, you know, and, and the fact you're, you're about, so, um, I mean, based on that, you would like, I mean, you would always want to sort of looking at your results, you know, for taking microbiome uh, test, uh, you would always want to sort of, you know, correlate that with your, you know, with your uh, like day-to-day -day diet and see how that, I mean, how things correlate. But there's a lot of interesting insights that you might find. My experience was like when I did the test, I realized I didn't have any bifidobacterium. And that was something which is really interesting because I've read a great deal about the microbiome in preparation for many interviews, including this one, and kind of trying to understand what level of bacteria I, an optimal microbiome would have and what bacterial strains and species are important. And bifid bifidobacterium are like one of the ones which, you know, enhance butyrate production, which is like one of the main um, substrates for the cells in the microbiome to kind of help them pro proliferate and maintain integrity of the gut wall. And then you have also B vitamin production, so energy production from food. Yes. So when right. I realized I had, uh, I had none of this, I was like, right, this is something targeted, which I can take away and actually implement. So I actually found that extremely useful. I mean, I have no idea whether the, the kind of interventions I'm doing are going to be efficacious or not. We'll see further down <laughs> the line, right? But th that is something I found really interesting and empowering in a way that I could do a test, realize what I was absent in, and then yeah. make conscious decisions to change that. Well, yeah, you're absolutely correct. And that's, I mean, that's the, that's the whole point of testing. That's as, as, as we see that, you know, making, uh, you know, being more aware on how uh, how the food you're taking, how your diet actually affects your your gut health. So um, and that's that's the whole point of taking the test multiple times. You know, also monitoring how certain interventions, like taking a probiotics, like in your in your case, which again could be targeted, mm -hmm. probably increases the efficiency of the you know of uh, of uh, and increases the chances that the bifidobacterium uh, you know might find a place within the ecosystem of your other bacteria. In your gut um, but then again measuring that intervention um, you know how uh, whether did this change happened or did not happen so that's that's the whole point of testing yourself multiple times um, which we're trying with which we're really trying to pursue and you know we're explaining to people that um, kind of sort of um, it's good to take to do the test one time but then of course it's much more valuable when you track your progress in dynamics especially when you combine that with certain interventions yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. And also the kind of variety of food, which is still interesting me. So wh where do you think the, the future of microbiome test will, will be? Because I know your background's in bioinformatics and AI, right. and I'm wondering how you think this is going to progress in the near future. Well, I think it's going to progress in several directions. So first of all, we'll, we'll, uh, we will increase uh, the number of uh, things we're looking at when we're doing the microbiome test. So let's say right now we're only looking at bacteria. Um, I mean, with the micro, well, let's say with the Atlas microbiome test, we're only we're only doing what's called 16S sequencing, which reveals 
the bacteria present within the sample. So we're not looking at viruses or fungi or um, uh, um, which might be interesting. Parasites, I guess, would be another right. one. <laughs> right. So first of all, increasing sort of increasing the, the number of parameters monitored monitor by the microbiome test, that's one thing. And then sort of, let's say one, one of the solutions here is, is switching to shotgun sequencing, which is which sort of covers the entire DNA present within the sample. Not just one gene, which we are uh, looking at at, the, at this moment. Uh, the only limitation here right now is the price. So, I mean, the shotgun sequencing is just, you know, too expensive for, for the retail uh, sort of mass market product. I mean, that's, that's what I believe. However, we see that the price for sequencing is going down at the same time. And this, this, this is the second point. So as the price go down, we'll see more things tested and we'll get more information about, you know, more details about um, the types of bacteria, but also the other microorganisms which are present, uh, I mean, in your, in your gut and we'll have more data to find new correlations and make more precise you know, diagnostics and predictions. So, um, um, plus, as we aggregate more and more data, we'll have more knowledge on how, you know, these microorganisms, whether it's a bacteria or you know, viruses or some, something else, how that affects your health, mm -hmm. your metabolism, your inflammation, your neurodegenerative disease, um, how that affects, I mean, like your mood, let's say, or, you know, problems with sleep. There's a lot and a lot of things which are, you know, correlated. They are, I mean, we know they are correlated. We, on, we know they are related, but I mean, we might be lacking some data yet. So as we aggregate more data, which comes after the price on sequencing goes down and more and more people are interested in taking such tests. I mean, we'll see more and more knowledge, you know, coming out of those, uh, of those tests, which is sort of a closed loop. I mean, it's, it's, it's a positive closed loop. So. Um, inevitably, I think inevitably, uh, microbiome testing will become part of the routine, uh, you know, medical practice. And I mean, we, we will do this as regularly as we do the blood tests. And I mean, this, this will be just, you know, a normal practice of your GP. So when you come with a certain problem, I mean, this, um, I mean, you'll have the microbiome test prescribed. I think uh, we will get there ine inevitably. I mean, right now there's, of course, there's a lot of things we don't know, a lot of things. And it's, it, it, I mean, the microbiome space is very exciting, but emerging area. Mm -hmm. So there are things, there's, there, there are things with that we are, I mean, trying to, I mean, we're, we're, we are now understanding, uh, I mean, quite well, I would say, but I mean, there's, there are of course, things where we're, we're sort of, we see a, a huge potential, but uh, I mean, we just don't have enough data or, it just requires us some more time, you know, to figure out what's the causality, not, not only, not just the correlation, but trying to figure out the causality of what we see. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, just to, to add on what you, what you just spoke about, I've, I've seen papers um, and they've been looking at the link between certain upregulation of certain bacteria and the links between like autism to autoimmune disease. Right, right. So the actual use of this is, hasn't been fully quantified yet. We, we don't know. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and it could be, it could be hugely extensive. So I think it's a hugely exciting area. Um, yes. And, you know, is is relatively new. You know, no one was talking about it 30 years ago. And now there's tens of thousands of papers published every single year. 
So yeah, you know what I remember, like uh, probably like seven to ten years ago, when you went to a conference, like scientific one, when you went to a medical conference and uh, you were presenting some, something about microbiome. I mean, th that could have been considered, I would say, radical or you know something like, well, you know, uncommon. I would say. These days, uh, on, on any conference you take, I mean, any, 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 you know, any specialization of medical conference, you'll hear reports about microbiome and how this is correlated with, you know, with our body and with our, with our organs, with the disease. I mean, there's a lot of knowledge coming in. And uh, actually, what's one of, the, one of the things which are, you know, um, really exciting for me to see is how much this, you know, this, this whole knowledge and this, uh, you know, this uh, research is, is being driven uh, by the crowdfunding, you know, by, by, the, by the community. And by people who are actually taking the test, you know, uh, who participated in uh, things like American Gut Project, yes, you know, which were you know totally crowdfunded. And uh, I mean, we did some of those projects um, in Russia as well. So we, um, uh, at some point, we did a crowdsourcing uh, research, um, you know, which which is uh, the results of which were were then published, um, which is extremely exciting. I mean, people are. You know, willing to participate and then learn about themselves, but at the same time share their results. Sort of, you know, inputting that uh, into into the advancements of science, and that thing I find extremely fascinating and and really exciting in this area. So I think I think we will we will see more things like this, and you know, more people who are willing to share. I mean, again, this isn't again this is not this is not something we require, or I mean, you know, we this is not something we're sort of pushing to, uh, but um, to those people who are interested in this, I see, I, I think there will be more and more sort of, you know, crowdsourced projects mm -hmm. where you can input your, your you know, real life data and, and then help advance science. So, which seemed to me does seem very exciting. Absolutely. So that brings us to the last three questions I ask everyone that comes on the show, with the first being, what is the most impactful change, health change, that you have made in your life, and why? All right, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. I think, uh, well, the most in terms of my health, uh, the most impactful thing was founding the company. I think, <laughs> I think that that gave me a lot of new gray hair. Uh, but time, but yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it just drives my interest, uh, and you know, it, it so happened that the company that I founded, I mean have impacted not, not just my personal health, you know, by, you know, which was impacted by just, you know, using our products, uh, but also the, um, you know, the, the health of many other people, which to me is really exciting. And um, yeah, that, that just, you know, keeps me, uh, you know, up, um, you know, 14, 15 hours a day, you know, working on uh, improving our products. But yeah, as you can see, uh, I'm, I'm getting bolder. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, you did cut all your hair off, so I think that's one of the reasons why. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, uh, but still, that, that is to hide the gray hair, actually. <laughs> oh, well, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that was the one. That was the thing. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And a really interesting one, actually. Um, my second one is, how do you think healthcare, and you've kind of answered this already, but if you have a different take on it, it'd be great. How can healthcare become more integrated with the, some of the modalities that we spoke about today? Mm. Um, I, I think inevitably this will happen. I mean, as, as, I, as I already said, I mean, it's, uh, 
it's it's all. I think it's all. It's it is all driven by technology by technological development. So and as the source technology of DNA sequencing or DNA analysis goes forward, you know, dropping the price, um, that makes the product more accessible to not only people but also to the medical community, to the doctors, nutritionists um, across the world, um, in which which uh, in turn results in aggregating more data. For the you know for the scientific community, which drives new research and new advancements in the research, and then also finding new correlations or, or new traits, uh, you know, to report back to the patients and their doctors. So you know, with this positive uh, sort of positive feedback loop, um, uh, I think uh, the, the main the main factor is the technological development. So um, I mean, I think the engineers who stand behind you know, developing new sequencers, uh, new reagents, uh, which are less expensive, which provide more coverage, um, um, you know, who create new microprocessors in the computers, which allow the bioinformaticians <laughs> like us to, to analyze those hundreds of gigabytes of data coming out from each test. Um, I mean, this is, this is what drives um, this, this whole industry, that's, that's, that's the core thing that drives the industry, that, that's what I believe. Um, and this is great. I mean, so I think, the, the, yeah, I think in, in time, uh, and I think this is going to be a very relatively short period of, of time, uh, things we've discussed, discussed today, such as like, you know, analyzing your whole genome at birth, maybe, uh, or doing regular microbiome checks. Uh, I, I will just see that as a normal everyday routine, I mean, which people won't even question. It would be just like you know taking taking a breakfast. I mean, why why would you, why why would you ask questions about <laughs> <laughs> about whether whether or not somebody had a breakfast? So things like this will become a routine. That would be interesting if you're doing a microbiome test daily and it just becomes like breakfast. That'd be uh... could be yeah it could, I mean, it could be yeah, we could end up with a smart toilet, you know, who just analyze things as they go. I mean that that would be amazing. Because because there are changes. I mean, I'm going to digress it, so I will get to the final question. But you can change your microbiome within a day just by having like a lot of fermentable fibers or resistant starches. And I always thought like it would be interesting if you could sequence it relatively fast to see exactly what the changes were. Because mm. um, you know, right now it takes four to six weeks sometimes to get a, you know, depending on the lab. But yeah, fascinating. Anyway, <laughs> not there yet, but. No. Let's yeah, let's let's uh, let's talk again in a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. And my last question, but um, I've, I've got one more question. But before I ask it, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you and what exciting projects you have coming up? Sure thing. Uh, well, you can learn more about Atlas and what we do at atlasbiomed.com, and all information about microbiome and DNA tests we do. Um, I mean, it's just there. So. Please find us. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. And um, I'd be super, super happy to chat. Perfect. And I will link to all of Sergi's uh, social media and links in the show notes. Sergi, yes. can you please provide the listeners with three quick tips to help improve their health and mm. well-being from today? Well, uh, as we speak, as we spoke mostly about microbiome, uh, I'll just focus on that if you don't mind. So yeah, I would say, first of all, uh, try to limit the bad stuff. By bad stuff, I mean fast foods, you know, uh, lots of salt. Um, uh, so all the, yeah, all the hamburgers, uh, Coke, um, even the Diet Coke, 
probably, I mean, should 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 go away. Um, then try to you know try to uh, look at the amount of fibers you're taking because I mean there's a, there's a devastating statistics that uh, I mean the average uh, British person uh, under you know uh, is missing about is only is only is only taking about half of uh, the recommended amount of fibers. So out of thirty grams a day, we're only taking fifteen, at best. And uh, it's really hard to understand, I mean, how many fibers is there, you know, in, in something that you eat. So, uh, I mean, one of the things, I mean, I did personally was I was just Googling, uh, you know, the, the amount of fibers uh, in, 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 in things I ate during the day. Let's say an apple or banana. I mean, you just Google the amount of fiber. That's it. That, that is there. And, and then summed it up. And it was, uh, and I was super surprised, you know, how, the, how low, <laughs> was, the, was the amount of fibers that I ate. Um, and actually, our, one of the other exercises we did is we, uh, we tried to sort of collect the basket, like we put a basket on the, t- several baskets on the table and we were trying to, and we were just, you know, putting things uh, until there's like 30 grams of fibers contained in them within the basket. And there's, that's, a lot of, that's, that's a lot of things you have to eat. Yeah. You know? so a lot of things you have to, you have to eat. <laughs> so, uh, but also what's, uh, and the third thing um, is diversifying that. So it's, as, as we discussed, I mean, it's not just how many fibers feed, but it's, it's also, which, more, which, which of course makes it more complicated. Um, it's also the diversity of different types of fibers. Um, you know, which, which, which you consume and which feed up uh, your microorganisms in your gut. So yeah, uh, they do diversify it, uh, you know, take different products of different colors, uh, try to calculate how many types of vegetables and fruits you eat, and then, you know, sort of play a game, you know, with yourself, you know, trying to in- increase this amount. And so all these are, these are sort of three basic advice, I would say, might uh, and will improve your uh, diversity of your gut bacteria. Brilliant. Thanks so much for sharing those. Sergey, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed the conversation Thank and you. learned a lot. Um, and I do hope that we can do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or our website, and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for the editing and Alan Harper for his support.